This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, good afternoon and welcome to Enterprise BizBytes. I'm Roshan Kanesan. Last month, Kumplan Wang Prasaran, also known as Quap, unveiled Dana Parintis, an initiative, an initiative that will see 500 million ringgit invested into Malaysia's venture and startup ecosystem. Uh, this will be done over the next 18 to 24 months and encompasses two particular strategies here. One, investments into uh, VC ecosystem, so Malaysia-focused venture capital funds, but also direct investments into early stage companies each of these pillars will receive 250 million ringgit allocation now i guess the ultimately the bottom line hope here is that the initiative will accelerate growth within malaysia's entrepreneurial landscape while aligning with a larger sustainability commitment that Coop has made as a signatory signatory of the un principles of responsible investment and we've seen a lot of this happening since Benjamin the capital to Dana impact from Kazana there's a lot more money flowing into the ecosystem to see the growth and accelerate the growth in the startup ecosystem here in Malaysia in addition to supporting local startups through financial capital Coop says it also wants to offer expertise and resources with the aim to help propel Malaysian startups onto the global stage if you have any thoughts on this you can whatsapp us on our U-Mobile number that's 018-789-8899 you can also reach us on X at BFM Radio. Uh, joining us today to tell us more about Quap's Dana Print, this is Saiful Bahari Hassan, the Director of Private Equity at Quap. Saiful, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Roshan, for having us, for having me. How are you feeling today? I see you've got a very nice uh, shirt, uh, Batik shirt on today. The vibe is for feeling good. <laughs> yes, picked by my missus. <laughs> <laughs> so definitely good vibes. Huh? Um I think let's just start with the basics here, right? Uh, Saiful, tell us a bit about the mandate for Dana Parentis and how it fits into Coop's overall investment strategy. Sure. Um, so Dana Parentis essentially is to address the Malaysian ecosystem. So Coop has been investing in venture for the last five, six years. Uh, what we have found is that uh, we've started off with sort of a global mandate. We invested globally first and to understand how it works. And then, then looking at what it is here in Malaysia in terms of what's available as well as the gaps that needs to be addressed. So, so Dana Print essentially is our our thinking and as well as our sort of timing of the market to say that this is an inflection point that would then allow us to participate uh, not just to uh, deploy development capital or developmental capital, but also capital that would then be commercial in nature. Okay, and um, I understand, Saiful, you were, you were talking a bit, but you, you've been in this space for a while now. Not always with Coop, you've been with Cradle, you've been in the larger ecosystem. So you've been on the front lines of and seeing and observing the uh, startup ecosystem. Are you excited to see this all play out? I'm very excited. Um, <laughs> and the reason for it is because uh, I've been in this space uh, for a good two decades. Mm. Um, uh, so, so Malaysia has had quite a number of opportunities in terms of building the foundation for venture and specifically for technology investing. And uh, where I am seeing it is that we are at a point in time when the trajectory of uh, availability of capital, availability of talent, as well as uh, skill sets coming internally from Malaysia, as well as foreign um, skill sets, all converging. So Mm. that's, to, to us, to me specifically, it's like uh, probably an opportunity of lifetime. So we want to literally ride the wave here with Dana Parintis. I am feeling that vibe from the ecosystem, a lot of excitement um, that the next few years are going to be 
potentially very good. I think everyone's just holding with bated breath to see what happens in budget 2024, whether you have these capital gains tax and those side of things. But that's a conversation for another day, which is uh, next week, of course. Um, so I will Quap will invest 500 million ringgit over the next 18 to 24 months into this fund, um, broken up into two pillars there. Um, maybe give us a sense of how this fits into the larger investment allocation strategy, because each of the GLICs have their own uh, allocation strategy, right? So how does this fit into Quap's? Okay, sure, Roshan. Um, in terms of how we think about things is that this falls into the venture allocation. So we have a 1% allocation that we are using to to manage the risk. So just to emphasize again, yeah. this is just 1%. Yeah, 1% of, uh, that, that is allocated to venture. It's very good financial planning. You, yeah. you take the risk appetite <laughs> and put, okay, 1%. Yeah. So um, the thinking here is that uh, we do not want to be overly... Um, um, excited mm. into this space. So we want to take things uh, step at a time. So we are allocating a substantial, still a substantial amount at, at 1%, uh, but at the same time enough uh, that it will be meaningful in this space. And reason for it is because for early stage investing, um, it's not just about the money. So money is one component of what you would invest. Mm-hmm. But there's also other components, your skill sets, your ability to network, your ability to bring in relationships, value adding. So a lot more layers that do then need to sit on top of the capital that is being provided. Right. And um, what is the KPI for the fund then? So essentially KPI for this fund falls similar to the venture space uh, KPI. So our KPI for venture is a minimum of 20% IRR. Mm. So it falls into that. But above and beyond uh, the commercial returns, we are expecting this to assist the local ecosystem. So it's strategy, a little bit strategy in nature. Um, it's also to aid Coop's interest in this space because we want to be an investor in this space. We want to be investing in Malaysia. So we want to be able to create future companies. So our thinking is that this investment will then allow for Coop to benefit in the future. So imagine creating uh, future unicorns that would then become uh, listed companies. So we want to be part of that wave. So rather than having to wait um, on the wayside, mm. you know, organically growing it. So we are thinking, okay, you know, let's do something here so that we can expedite that so that we can actually benefit from it, not wait until, you know, 10 years down the road and not finding the outcomes. So you, you're looking at much more than just the financial capital, as you just mentioned, um, to help accelerate the, maybe the some of the companies that are invested in the fund, which we will get into in a little bit. But just about the strategy, um, there are two methods here, right? So one is, essentially uh, allocating the funds to VC funds to go and invest. And then you've also got direct investments into early stage uh, companies. So you're doing directly and indirectly. Why two strategies as opposed to just sticking to one? So our thinking along those lines is along the lines of a value adding. So the thinking is that how much value add can Quap provide in any stage in the venture ecosystem. So Mm. our thinking is that we are best uh, participating in sort of the growth space. So our thinking is that from B onwards, that's where typically companies would then uh, require growth capital. So early stages, our thinking is that it's best to be left to uh, a, a more specialized and more specific venture players that would then allow capital to be de- uh, to be deployed. But on top of that, the skill sets as well as the ability to value add. So it's basically like pipeline here, right? Uh, so 
what will differentiate um, the direct versus the indirect maybe the stage or age of the company yeah typically uh, stage or age of the company uh, and also uh, along the thinking of if you were to imagine early stage investing would require capital to be provided in sort of smaller correct uh, doses doses and uh, you have to then also understand or imagine how do you then administer that capital and also to manage mm. uh, the bit number too- micro for I guess co-op to get involved at that stage? Uh, to some degree, yes. But we are also thinking about how best uh, do we participate? Because our thinking is that we need the skill sets, not just the capital. Capital mm-hmm. is one component. So mm-hmm. you imagine mm-hmm. you know, Cradle provides sort of early stage capital. Yeah. But at the same time, one other component that Cradle also addresses in the early stage, which we are also uh, looking at, how do you then... Uh, make sure the capital that is provided has the best uh, outcome, has the best value. Mm. Um, in terms of uh, uh, in terms of the differentiation points here, is it is it a matter of ticket size of the funding round, or is it like a, we don't invest, we will invest directly point uh, past Series C? Is there any kind of framework to that? So typically, um, our our sort of cut off. soft cut uh. off uh, onwards is B onwards. Mm. So if you can imagine. Um, If people define B, uh, it may vary from more developed economies as compared to <laughs> developing economies, right? Because uh, the reason why there's a difference is because the depth of uh, that particular market when it comes to venture. So in our case, um, the B series may be a bit more compressed. So that's part of the thinking. Uh, and the indication of B, usually uh, companies that comes to this space is that they've already sorted out Uh, technology, they've already started out to some degree business, and to some degree they may have profitability, and if not profit- profitable, already have uh, a route to profitability. At the bare minimum, they've got product market fit and a yes. customer base. They just need some fuel to that fire. Exactly. Um, so you're looking at essentially. So the VC funds you're looking at would probably be on the pre-seed, seed, uh, Series A level. And co-op through the direct side will come in soft a soft cutoff Series B onwards, which is where we're seeing a big gap, right? In that bridge, that Series B funding seems to be lacking here in Malaysia. So this is great to hear. Um, it's now if I look back to Dana Impact, for example, uh, Kazana is partnered with Gobi Partners, uh, Finder Global, as well as Antler uh, most recently. Is Co-op looking to uh, follow that mold with the big international VCs? Or could we see more local VCs join the fray as well? So our thinking is that in order for the ecosystem to work and work better moving forward, it's a mixture of both. So you need the foreign slash international VCs to provide the insights, the mm. learnings from you know more developed markets. But at the same time, you also need the local guys, the local players, the local venture capital funds to then provide the local insights. So the local insight is also important so that Uh, the needs for local companies, the needs, the nuances probably, that's probably the right word, the nuances for local needs will then be addressed. So it's a mixture and our thinking for Dana Printis is a mixture of that. So it will be collaborative in nature. It will be a portion foreign, a portion local. And that's good to hear because um, while it's great to put the hands in, you want trusted people with the money, of course, and it's great to see Finder Global and uh, Gobi partners with the results they've had handling the money and managing it. But you also want to grow the VC ecosystem here in Malaysia. And if you, if uh, we are not doing that for our own VC ecosystem, then you know they're not going to grow. It's always going to be Gobi and 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 so on. Um, 
But Zabo, we got to go into a few messages. Uh, when we come back, we'll talk a little bit about um, the filtration process, I guess, for the direct investments and much more. Folks, today on BizBytes, you've been learning about Co-op's recently launched Dana Printis, an initiative that will see 500 million ringgit invested into Malaysia's, Malaysia's venture and startup ecosystem over the next 18 to 20 more, 24 months. More on this in just a bit. I'm Roshi Kanesan. Keep it here to BFM 89.9, the business station. Behold Freedom, Malaysia, BFM 89.9, The Business Station. BFM 89.9. That was Aerosmith with Falling in Love. I'm Roshan Kanisin and you're now listening to Enterprise Biz Bites. Last month, Kwap or Kumpulan Wang Prasaraan unveiled Dana Parentis, an initiative that will see 500 million ringgit invested into Malaysia's venture and startup ecosystem over the next 18 to 24 months. Today, you will learn more about this initiative from Saiful Bari Hassan, the Director of Private Equity at Kwap. Earlier, we got into the mandate of the fund and the KPI, as well as why they're doing a two-pronged strategy of uh, allocating funds to VC funds as well as investing directly. Uh, Saiful, to continue from our discussion earlier now, 250 million or half of that money will go to direct investments for maybe later stage companies as opposed to the much earlier ones where Coop can maybe play a bigger role in how those companies develop. What strategies have been put in place to identify promising and qualifying startups that will fit the fund's mandate on the direct side and in deploying the fund? So from a strategy standpoint, um, we have, uh, I guess, a <laughs> reference point. Probably a reference point is a, is a good uh, starting sort of uh, description. Mm-hmm. So we have six areas that we think we want to further. Mm-hmm. So these six areas include uh, civil economy, aged care, uh, healthcare, education, um, fintech uh, that that focuses on digital inclusion or, or rather financial inclusion, um, uh, energy transition, as well as food security. So these six areas we think will be will be the the guiding standpoint where technology will be deployed, as well as improvements needed to be. So this we believe that it will be in line with our sustainability interests, mm. as well as um, our current PM's aspirations in economy Manadi. Now, um, aside the six areas, I presume for in terms of filtration, you're looking at Series B and above, uh, revenue generating, product market fit, those kind of things? Yes. So essentially, growth companies. So companies that would then already have certain trajectory, already have shown that they have the solutions in place and ultimately addressing economic needs. So we do, we, we are not we are not best to uh, deal with companies which uh, just started off with ideas. <laughs> so we want to be able to see physically and you have actually um, tested the business model and you know where it's headed. So you, you've, in a way, you've, you've gone around to uh, test it out and to know what works and what doesn't. And the capital is then to help you grow to the next phase. Now, I know you. If, even if you've identified companies, you won't be able to say any of those names here, but have companies been identified in these six areas that Coop is keeping an eye on? Yes. Okay. Short answer. Short answer. <laughs> so, yes. So, we look forward to see so, what comes y- up from that. Yes. Dot, dot, dot. And the reason for it is because uh, we are in the early stages mm-hmm. of our evaluation. So, there are companies that we've identified and we think that, okay, uh, that's fit. Uh, but to say that 
uh, all is taken and uh, all all is fixed is uh, probably mm. not true as well. So the thinking here is that it will be deployed within 18 to 24 months. Our thinking as well is that, okay, as we identify and as, as opportunities come to us, we will then uh, see and evaluate to then see the best fit as well as the best outcomes that fits the Dana Printis. Yeah. You don't want to jump into uh, head first and yes. you take your time to deploy. Yeah. Do you have a, a a KPI or an expectation of the number of companies to onboard over the next two years? So our thinking around uh, around the companies that would then be Series B onwards, um, around probably seven to ten companies thereabouts, mm-hmm. because our thinking is about 5 million US yeah. per investment. So that's about 20 to 25 million ringgit. Uh, per deployment, so roughly. Now for the the other area, so the VC deployment side of things, how involved uh, will Quap ex- does Quap expect to be in that process, or is it a matter of just we're going to pick the best fund managers that we can find, and then we leave the money with them to manage? So Quap's participation in these funds will be as a limited partner in okay. these funds. So by limited partner, we are limited in terms of how we participate in mm. these funds. But having said that, we would want to also be able to govern. So what it means is that we will not uh, be participating in the decision-making, specific decision-making that's typically uh, empowered to the investment committee of uh, such funds. But Quark will probably be participating in the limited, uh, the LPAC, the advisory committee, the limited partner advisory committee that would then provide Uh, guidance as well as uh, gain exposure from the funds, you know, where exactly they're headed, uh, being able to then manage where the risks are and things like that. So so our expectation is that there will be close collaboration with the funds, but we will not be making the decisions for the fund. LPs, but sizable LPs nonetheless uh, in those kind of funds there. Um, you, know, you mentioned six key areas there. Uh, Saibu, could you give us a bit more context around the... A few of these key areas, because I mean, if we had went to all six, I think we'd be here forever. But maybe two or three of them that uh, you are personally quite excited to see and study further, particularly to the Malaysian context. Okay, sure. I think if I were to probably pick two, mm-hmm. so two would be the silver economy, because yeah. silver economy is something close to us uh, as a pension fund, um, as well as also we see the need for that Uh, uh, to be addressed. So we need uh, solutions that would then address our retirees. You know, what else do you then do? How do you then solve the problem, you know, post-retirement or, or rather post-employment, right? So that's one element. Uh, the other element that I think uh, we would be very interested to to see is uh, energy transition. Hmm. So energy transition is another area that uh, I believe also It's an exciting space. Not easy, of course, because it it borders around uh, infrastructure, borders around policies and things like that. But ultimately, that's something that we need to address. The Dana Printis, uh, the primary aim, of course, is to promote innovation, entrepreneurship within the country. That's a key mandate here. Uh, aside, of course, the IRR that uh, on uh, that you're expecting internally. Beyond capital and financial support, as you've made clear, uh, maybe talk to us a little bit about the types of resources and uh, mentorship that will help accelerate some of the companies you're looking to invest in because you made quite clear that you're looking to uh, be part of the journey longer for the companies that you do invest in directly. Tell us a little bit more about that. So 
the venture team today stands at four people. So it's still a relatively small mm-hmm. uh, team uh, to manage this. So part of that um, strategy, splitting between funds as well as direct is to manage that. So we don't expect for the uh, for resourcing in Quark to be huge, mm. uh, which doesn't make sense as well because what our thinking uh, is that we need to then leverage off our partners because when we invest, we are investing alongside somebody. So that's part of the uh, game plan. But above and beyond that, we also have another game plan, which is our value creation uh, management team that is uh, that has been created. So value management uh, team uh, essentially sits between uh, investment as well as portfolio management team. So how how we are structured is that we are structured uh, in investment and portfolio management. And essentially in between that is value creation. So value creation mm. are the people that would then uh, most likely will be sitting on the LPAC, the advisory committee, to then evaluate, to then um, to understand where exactly the funds are going. That's one, that's one area. On the direct side, the value creation guys will also be the guys that will then, uh, ladies of course included, uh, will be ones who then sit, either sit on the board or sit on and interacting with the management to see where exactly the company is headed and uh, what help is needed, uh, what value needs to be created and things like that. Uh, Zafu, what do you see as, I guess, Coop's strength here in partnering with these startups to accelerate? Where, where, where is the, I guess, um, yeah, where is Coop's strength here in helping these startups accelerate their journey to IPO and things like that? So, okay, Coop is a multi-asset mm. uh, investor. So one, one area that we know um, fairly well is on the public market side. So we are fairly uh, deep in the public market. But at the same time, we also want to be able to leverage off uh, relationships that we have built with private equity funds, with venture capital funds that are international, global and inter- international, and also regional. So we want to be able to leverage off all the knowledge and relationship to then bring to bear all this down to our investing companies. So essentially, uh, companies that would then benefit from Coop's capital from Dana Perintis will then have access to these relationships, will then have access to improvement plans, will then have access to what's going on in the international, regional markets. Which will help with their growth story, which will help them to their pathway to IPO. Will also help them, it sounds like, with the adulting part of growing a business, right? The more governance and yes. compliance side of things, yes. which can often be um, under-emphasized in high-growth startups who are yes. so focused on generating revenue and reaching profitability. Um, what, as we come to the close of this conversation, Saifel, what, what, are you, what do you see as the key challenges and opportunities uh, in terms of innovation and entrepreneurship, particularly in the startup ecosystem in Malaysia in the next coming years? Um, I guess key challenges are many. (laughs) (laughs) But I would say key opportunities are also uh, great because we started off this conversation with an inflection point, the story Mm. of inflection point. So in the past, what we do not see is the creation of unicorns. So one of the one of the things that is not available in our market is role models, people who have made it. And people who have made it w- that would then come back to then uh, provide capital as mm. well as uh, value add. So we need that. We need to create that so that it becomes like a flywheel effect. So I think one of the key things, one of the key opportunities is the creation of uh, such uh, successful entrepreneurs that would then 
create the next batch of successful entrepreneurs. So Quad wants to be part of that. And you know what I often hear is that we just need that first generation. We had the first generation of, I guess, liquidity from the job street era of uh, entrepreneurs and startup founders. But we need the next one to kind of see them come back uh, to become investors in the ecosystem. And then again, the flywheel continues, right? More startups are built up. Funding seems to be with the involvement of uh, yourselves, Kazana, and a lot of other glicks, it seems there's a bigger appetite to invest. Uh, so funding may not be as much of a problem as it was a few years back, especially with the fund of funds model and Panjana Capital. Um, but in terms of, given especially your, ex- your experience in the ecosystem, are there any particular challenges that you think uh, are most important to address in the next few years? I would probably say um, the the taste for risk Taking ah. so uh, one of the one of the one of the challenges I would say one of the key challenges I would I would probably say here is that um, decision making between staying employed and crossing the line to become an entrepreneur. Mm. So crossing the line to become an entrepreneur probably in the more developed markets is to be easier because the ecosystem that would then assist you know uh, giving you the right resources, giving you the right capital, giving you the right networks and. Um, understanding of technology and things like that is probably a, uh, a bit easier because it's uh, it's it's a bit more developed in the developed uh, market. So we need to then solve for that. We need to solve for the ability to take on risk and how then do we help these entrepreneurs to to be comfortable with risk? Yeah, no, that's a key thing. Sometimes I think about whether I would uh, want to do it and I just I just start panicking. Just do it, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, not just yet, not just yet. Uh, to wrap up, Saiful, um, talk to us about how the success of this of Dana Printis will be measured, right? Are we talking about, in terms of the entrepreneurship and innovation side, are we talking about, you know, seeing Malaysia's first unicorn list with Coop's help? What are we talking about here in terms of markers of success? I would probably say all the above. That would be <laughs> nice. Um, um, I would probably take all that. But for Coop, first things first, we are measured by the commercial success. right? Mm-hmm. So we, we will want for our investments to be commercially viable and return of capital and, um, you know, essentially providing our constituencies with, uh, with the pension fund growth. So that's one key thing. But above and beyond that, we want to also be able to see our companies grow uh, Malaysian companies uh, to grow, not just becoming local champions, mm. Jago Kampung, but also, you know, grow out of our our borders, right? Uh, and to become what it needs to become, right? So grow and go for growth. Saiful, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Folks, we were speaking with Saiful Bari Hassan, the Director of Private Equity at Kumpulan Wang Persaraan, or more commonly known as Quap, and we were talking about Dana Perintis, uh, which will see 500 million ringgit deployed into the startup and VC ecosystem over the next 18 to 24 months. If you missed any part of this conversation, you can catch the podcast on our website at bfm.my or download the BFM app. You can also find our shows on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and other podcast players. Now, in case you, oh, when you go to those podcast players, just make sure you search up Enterprise Biz Bites. Now, in case you hadn't heard, we've got Enterprise Breakaway happening next Thursday, October the 19th at the C- at CCEC 
at the Vertical Banks of South. The theme is Roaring into the Future, very much in theme with our conversation today. Among questions we'll be, we will be asking that day and hoping to address include, will AI be a friend or foe? Can we be green and profitable? And what does this all mean for the future of Malaysian startups and businesses? If you want to win a pair of tickets and hear from uh, people such as Lloyd Tuan E, founder of FarmFresh, the folks over at Aerodyne, as well as Scale Up Malaysia and Droppy, along with a lot of other experts, answer this question. AI systems can learn and improve their performance without explicit programming. Is that true or false? Answer this question to win a pair of free tickets. Send in your name and email address over WhatsApp to 018-789-8899. This event is presented by CIMB. Moving forward with you. Looking ahead, we've got the Breakfast Grill replay happening after the 1pm news bulletin. Porto Digital Tech Park, Brazil's largest technology park, was born in 2020 with an aim to turn the port city of Recife to a centre of technological development and innovation. It has generated $430 million US million in revenue as of 2019. We speak to Professor Silvio Mera at the beginning of Porto, how Malaysia can replicate Porto digital success in building a thriving tech ecosystem and what initiatives have been most effective to foster a robust environment. I'm Roshan Kanison. You've been listening to Enterprise Biz Bites. Keep it here to BFM 89.9, the business station. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. For more stories of the same kind, Download the BFM app.